Welcome to Deepen with Pastor Joby Martin. The Church of 1122 is a movement for all people to discover and deepen a relationship with Jesus Christ. And we're praying this message helps you deepen your relationship with Him. Now let's dive in. All right, welcome back to the Deepen Podcast in the testimony series. Let's testify. Let's do it. And uh, Pastor Joby, introduce our special guest. Oh man, one of my favorite staff people ever. And I hope this makes most of our staff really jealous. I do. Caitlin Armstrong, I call her Strong Arm, though, because I think it's a cooler last name. Mm-hmm. Uh, she has been a part of our team from the, like, beach youth days, which one of the things that just warms my soul is walking in a staff meeting and seeing, like, a dozen of the mm-hmm. old crew mm-hmm. that we've been discipling for all these years, 20 years now. You can't get rid of us. And so... She's a theologian. She's a disciple maker. She's a mom. She's a wife. She's awesome. Super smart. A runner. She's like the Lady Gaga of ministry. Yes. Yes. Thank you. And as so tempted I, as I am to unpack what that means, <laughs> uh, <laughs> we should start with a very spiritual exercise. Could you say Mephibosheth five times fast, do you think? Do you think Mephibosheth is the hardest name in the Bible to say? No. Zerubbabel. No. There's way harder. Yeah. What's What's your top? What's the, what do you think? <laughs> I, I don't know. I don't. Uh, some of them that you never have heard pronounced. You don't know. Like, is it yeah. Zeba, yeah. Zyba, or Zeba? Right, right. We're I just know. guessing. I went with Zeba because like I can just remember Like you said Micah. Yeah. Is it Micah? Is it Mika? Yeah, yeah. I don't know. I don't, we don't know. Man, one of the coolest things that we did was before we opened up this uh, worship center that we're in now is we read the Bible straight through. I don't know how many, I don't know how many hours that took. But 72, 74, somewhere in there. Yeah. What? No other commentary, mm-hmm. just from start to finish the Bible. And the funnest part was listening to people reading the names because yeah, it was yeah. like, well, like you, so said, you just have to power through because no it. one else exactly. knows. Just got to be confident. Yeah. Um, typically, the emphasis goes on the next to the last syllable, mm-hmm. like Jeremiah or Israel. Mm-hmm. And that can help. But if you're in disciple group and you don't know, nobody else knows. And if they do try to correct you, they're a Pharisee and they should repent. <laughs> so just say it how you say it. Yeah, yeah. I might refer to him as Mephib oh, during yeah. this time, okay? Yeah. Smink. I'm going to stick with the full council. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, awesome. Awesome message. This story is great. So much to unpack. So many gospel parallels as we're going to get into. But why don't we start here? Like, I mean, you mentioned this, but... Uh, <clears throat> New newly appointed kings or newly established kings would typically wipe out the family and, and servants of their predecessors. So unpack a little bit about why and 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 what's behind that practice. Uh, well, um, outside of a hostile takeover, the way the crown was passed on was through uh, your lineage, mm-hmm. and so if you took over not from your dad or granddad, then you knew that there were some other people that could rise up that were in the lineage of the previous king and claim a right to that throne. And so it was typical to just go ahead and take out the competition. Yeah. Uh, and so that that was normal practice in antiquity. Yeah, it's a little bit like a, a modern-day CEO or president comes in and just says all the formal pe- former away. people are gone. Um, and wasn't it true that I couldn't remember that even after Saul died, there was a relative that tried to step in and say, Hey, I should be the mm-hmm. king, even though David had already been anointed. Isn't that right? Yeah. It's not like Ishabeth or Ishbosheth. Ishbosheth. Yeah. There he, we go. He didn't last very long, though. That's one of the top and hard to say. Ishbosheth. <laughs> say it again. Ishbosheth. There we go. Good job. Nailed it. Uh, so he does. You know what I was thinking about too? Okay. You said that he says, Hey, is there anybody you, the 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 chapter Second Samuel nine opens up, is there still anyone left of the house of Saul? And immediately the thought of everybody who heard that was probably like, Oh man, we're gonna here see we go. some, here we go, some bloodshed. Yeah. And so that would have been in the mind of the audience and probably the people who were called, Hey, call Zeba, the servant of Saul. He'd been like, Uh oh. Right. And same with Mephibosheth. And you know what I was thinking about? Like, how often do we react that same way to God's call in our life? 100%. Where 
where like he's inviting us and he wants to show us blessing. And we say, I, I should probably hide because I think I'm in trouble. Like your mm-hmm. inner common analogy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Or Adam and Eve in the garden. Exactly. Um, I think it's the, well, I mean, it is the natural state of the sinner mm-hmm. who's busted to to think that judgment's coming. Mm-hmm. My favorite, I mentioned this tonight, my favorite picture of this is uh, John 8, the woman caught in the act of adultery. Mm-hmm. Imagine she's bracing for the impact of the judgment of rocks. And instead, she gets smacked with the grace and non-judgment of Jesus. Mm-hmm. And and there's just as much grace in the neither do I condemn you as there is in go leave your life of sin. Both of those mm-hmm. are grace. It would not be grace to just say neither do I condemn you. See you next week in the same situation. Mm-hmm. That's not mm-hmm. grace. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I thought it was interesting because David and Jonathan – we're so close, and like I think about my own like best friends, and if I didn't have a relationship with their children, so it, it was it pointed back to like he was just hiding, he was mm. he was living in fear and afraid, and he didn't know David, he didn't know the kind of man that David was, and just in that way, that when we hide from God, we're not truly believing He is who He mm-hmm. says He is. Yeah. Actually, just proving, right? Proving that we don't know who he is mm-hmm. because otherwise we wouldn't hide. Yeah, I mean, right. one of the real um, symptoms of a gospel-infected life is when you screw up, do you run to him or from him? Right, Because hmm. right. if you run from him, you're not believing the good news of the gospel, right. that when he said it is finished, it counted for you. And so much like Adam and Eve, we run and hide. Hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Now, Mephibosheth, we're told, was crippled or lame in his feet. And Pastor Joby, you talked about a little bit about what that would have meant for him as a person. So talk a little bit more about what would that mean for him in a society, you know, as a man. You know, yeah. he, he had a child, but, you know. Let me preface it with um, Every single image bearer of God is valuable and created in God's image, and God has a purpose and a plan for you, and Mm -hmm. we're right on the cusp of night to shine. And um, the way the believer looking through the empty tomb sees someone with any kind of physical or mental uh, disability or, or whatever is very, very different than what they thought in antiquity. Yeah. This would have been a death sentence, not an actual death sentence, but a social death sentence and a religious death sentence. So, like, he was not allowed in the temple. He was not allowed Mm -hmm. in the synagogue. He is outside of community. And even though he didn't do anything wrong, Mm -hmm. like, the person that he trusted to carry him dropped him. Mm -hmm. And then he has to pay the price for that for the rest of his life. Mm -hmm. It's so much like we saw in John chapter 9. I'm sure the commentary was always, so who, whose fault is this? Did he mm-hmm. sin or did his parents sin that his feet are crippled? Mm. And so it was bad. It's worse than you think. It's not just like you couldn't go to church. All of commerce, all of relationships, I mean, that, that was all centered mm-hmm. around temple worship and synagogue involvement, mm-hmm. and he would have been an outsider. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <clears throat> I mean, the only thing he's got going for him is that, you know, his granddad was a king for mm-hmm. a while. Mm-hmm. And I love what you said, you know, it ends the very last verse in this chapter says, it repeats it. He always ate at the king's table and he was lame in both feet. Yeah. And so it struck me right as you were reading it. I was like, wow, it's, I think it's emphasizing that he remained in that condition, loved. Mm-hmm. Correct. You know what I mean? I Correct. I love this so much. Yeah. It wasn't that he had to have the, like some kind of proof by that being taken away, the love changed everything. Man, I'm not going to say the name because he's real famous. But So typically on Thursdays, I get finished with my notes. I send them out to everybody. And then I've usually got like a couple hours, and, I, and I'll and i just like listen to some people. Mm-hmm. So I listen to this very, very famous uh, pastor that's not in our tribe at all. Mm-hmm. And it was one of the most dynamically communicated sermons I've ever heard and one of the worst handlings of the Bible, mm. I could see, I mean, it was, it was a 100% self-help talk. Wow. It was like, 
Mephibosheth was in Lodabar, and you're in Lodabar. Maybe you're in the Lodabar of your finances, but God wants to bring you out. Maybe you're in the Lodabar of your relationships, but God has a husband for you. And maybe you're, you know what I mean? I'm like, that's not the point. That's not the point. That's not the point. He never, how do you not get to the gospel on this one? Right. The guy never got to the gospel. Wow. He would just hang out on the things when it said, like, all that Saul has belongs to you. He's like, some of you are going to receive a deed to a home that you didn't build, you know? And I'm like, oh, my gosh. Wow. I, it, it was, it, I don't, it grieved me, man, yeah. you know, because the guy's so talented. Like, he's wow. so, yeah. I'm telling you, like, the delivery was so good. He's mm-hmm. so good, so entertaining. Yeah, but it but was so void of the whole point is that we are broken and because of a covenant, the king comes and gets us, fetches us. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I always say, I don't need a pep talk. I need Jesus. Like It just breaks my heart because so much of our culture is just so me-centered, me-focused. I got this, right? You always say, those are the dangerous, the most dangerous words. I got this. Mm. The sad thing is you could, you could tell from the response of the audience is if, if he was unpacking some kind of theological or historical thing, everybody's kind of like, hmm. But the moment he made what you're going to get out of this, the point, bro, mm-hmm. it was like feeding cotton candy to a dog. They were just uh-huh. lapping it up. Uh-huh. There was no substance behind yeah. it. Uh-huh. And I thought, I mean, it was hard. But I listened to the whole thing just to, yeah. It was terrible. Talk a little bit more about the gospel parallel. I mean, you, you big picture, made some gospel connections, right? Kingdoms falling, oh, man. accidents happening, you're cri- crippled and, and outcast. I mean, talk a little bit more about that because that was so good. I think you can just go over and over and over and over and over. Cause so, so there's a, um, I did set it, you got to listen to the sermon. I, I set up basically from Genesis to 2 Samuel so that you could get the picture. Yeah. <clears throat> and in the transfer of kingdoms, so here Saul and Jonathan die, and there's a transfer of kingdom. And in that, the nurse picks up the kid and flees. And in the transfer of a kingdom, there is a fall that leaves Mephibosheth cripple. Mm-hmm. Well, in Genesis chapter 3, there was a transfer of kingdoms and there was a fall. And we have crippled hearts. Mm-hmm. Mephibosheth is actually the enemy of the king. And you and I are actually enemies of God because of our sin and rebellion against mm-hmm. him. But because of a covenant, because of what Jonathan did, not because of anything Mephibosheth did, but because David's love for his friend Jonathan, who was willing to risk his life on behalf of David, made a covenant, and then David remembers the covenant. Hmm. And because of Jonathan's, it's actually because of God's said love towards David that spilled out on Jonathan, and then Jonathan reciprocated that. There was a covenant, and, and then Mephibosheth is the recipient of the goodness and grace of that covenant that he had nothing to do with. So the king, while the crippled man in Lodabar, which means without communication or without pasture, mm. which happens a lot, man, like you get dropped and you get broken and you think, this is my life, I'm staying here. Mm-hmm. And so God sends his son on a rescue mission to fetch us. That's the way the King James says, I like that. Mm-hmm. The ESV just says get or something. But to fetch and I did think about, I mean, how do you fetch somebody? I get you pick them up, bring them. Imagine the response of Mephibosheth is now he has to trust somebody to pick him up, which is what got him in trouble to begin with. Mm. Somebody that was toting him didn't do what they were supposed to do. Mm-hmm. And so he comes before the king and receives three things. The lavish love, the chesed love, the loving kindness of the king that he doesn't deserve. Then he's also blessed with an inheritance that he can't believe. And he's considered a son and gets a seat at the table. Mm-hmm. It is a direct parallel of what you and I receive through the loving kindness of God through Jesus Christ. Mm-hmm. That we receive his love. We have an inheritance. You can't even believe, man. Mm-hmm. Like It's at least what the Bible describes, and I think it's trying to describe the indescribable. So I think it's going to be mm-hmm. better than streets of gold and all that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. And we get adopted to the king's table as a son, and we eat there for the rest of forever, and you can't do anything to get disqualified because you didn't qualify yourself. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And you made, a, you made a connection between this story and the, the prodigal son, and I started to think about those three things, and 
those three things are also there. Correct. Right. That prodigal son receives that love, a blessing, like wait, the ring, <coughs> yep. resources, you have a position, and a feast, That's an right. invitation to the table. A party, yep. Yeah. Incredible. Well, a part of what I wanted, the reason I brought it up is uh, I, I wanted to juxtapose Zeba's reaction. Mm-hmm. He reacts like a faithful man of God. Mm-hmm. Like, and the older brother reacts like a Pharisee. Mm-hmm. It's like, what are you doing? Yeah. You know, that's not fair. I deserve this. Zeba never's like, what do I deserve? Mm-hmm. He also is graced because he was a servant of Saul, so he could have been on the chopping block too. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. out of his, out of an overflow of gratitude of his heart, he's happy to serve mm-hmm. the new, like adopted son of the king. Yeah. I was thinking that Zeba probably felt like he got his job back too. Correct. Oh, you know for sure. I mean? like Dude, his, he's hooked up. Yeah. His whole career was to manage somebody else's stuff and property and like his family could go to work and all this kind of stuff. And he's obviously doing well. Him and his wife get along. He's got 15 sons. He doesn't even count the daughter. So, <laughs> Right. How many do you have, Caitlin? Three children. Okay. Two boys, one daughter. Well done. Still working on 15. <laughs> <laughs> nope. Not working on 15. <laughs> Let's go. Uh, well, there's there's definitely something here in this text about the answer to this question. But what do you think was David's motivation to do to do this in the first place? I think it is. It's kind of it's a little bit trinitarian, not like Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. But there's this interaction between God's love for David, David's love for God, God's love for Jonathan and his reciprocating love. Mm-hmm. So it's those two. He loved God and he loved people, and he made a covenant. He promised. Because mm-hmm. it says it a couple of times in here. Mm-hmm. It's like, I'm going to show you my loving kindness for Jonathan, your father's sake. Mm-hmm. Like what he did for me meant so much that you're going to benefit. Mm-hmm. So, you know, it's obviously a picture of the gospel, but the characters in it kind of are interchangeable sometimes. Mm -hmm. But it's like sometimes God is David and Jesus is Jonathan and we are Mephibosheth, right? And God the Father is looking at us and going, because of the covenant I made with God the Son and His loving kindness. Now, word chesed, I didn't spend a whole lot of time on it. I don't. Loving kindness is a weird translation because I don't know what that Mm -hmm. means. I mean, it means a, a love that costs inside of a covenant. That's what it means. Mm -hmm. So sometimes it's like everlasting love or a long love or I don't know, but but, but it's that. It's Mm -hmm. a costly love inside a covenant. Mm -hmm. So that's what motivated David. But but with Jonathan, when he's like making the covenant, he says, would you love me the way God has loved you? That's what he says. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and he says uh, in verse... One, show him kindness for Jonathan's sake, and then later on in verse three says the kindness of God. Right. You know, so right. that that But if you go back to uh first Samuel twenty, Jonathan is like, Hey, I'm gonna risk my neck for you because I love you. Um could you display grace upon me like God has displayed mm-hmm. upon you? And Jonathan mm-hmm. is already speaking to David as if he is for sure going to be king. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. He's like, You are going to take the throne one day and I am praying that God's going to wipe out all your enemies and when he cuts off all your enemies my family technically will be on that list could mm-hmm. you remember me mm-hmm. yeah and the generations to come <laughs> right. my 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 uh, offspring yeah he basically says I will serve you if I'm alive but I might not be Jonathan saw the writing on the wall totally. that's what was happening with his with his dad unfortunately uh, well I love that you're talking about said. I mean when God reveals himself to Moses, mm-hmm. he says He says who he is. Mm-hmm. Yeah. He says, I'm the Lord, I'm Yahweh. Uh, abounding in steadfast love, which is his said, and faithfulness was a met. So those two words are always, almost always associated with the character of God. If you read your Psalms, you know, let, let us give thanks to the Lord for his steadfast love mm-hmm. and faithfulness. It's that pair. And so it's the, it's, so tied to the covenant name of God is those two things of his character. Like, I will always keep my promises, and I have this costly love for you inside my covenant relationship with you. Yeah, that's a distinction that needs to be made, too. So love is who God is. Mm. Wrath is not who God is, though God has wrath. 
wrath is an outpouring of his justice because he is love. That's right. So God is love, but it has to be stirred to wrath. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there can't be love without wrath. Correct. Mm-hmm. Every mama knows that. Mm-hmm. Amen. <laughs> Come on. Yeah, because it comes from a desire to protect. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. And well, there's right. truth, and there's holiness, and there's righteousness, and mm-hmm. he can't not do those things. Right. I love just seeing all throughout the Old Testament, we see through the Psalms, like David is just wrestling with the Lord. You know, he's called a man after God's own heart, and he's far from perfect, right? We see mm-hmm. him screw up big time. Literally. And, <laughs> yes. And, but he's wrestling with the Lord. Like some of these Psalms, you know, he's he's writing and and laying it out before the Lord, hashing it out with them. And we can think like if he didn't pray these prayers, if he didn't wrestle with the Lord, would he have shown Saul mercy? Would he have poured out his mercy and grace on mm-hmm. Mephibosheth, right? Like because of his his relationship with the Lord and him receiving this loving kindness from the Lord, he then could pour it out. Mm-hmm. So here's something I didn't get into. So Absalom's at the same table. I mean, part of what I do when I do Bible study when I'm getting ready to preach is I'm like, all right, what would it be like? Imagine mm-hmm. the first day you sit down and you're like, oh, I've heard of, you know, I was here one time, my granddad, you know, came to his birthday party or his mm-hmm. retirement, oh, you know, whatever, and I saw this room and, mm-hmm. well, I can't believe I'm back. And then <clears throat> in comes Absalom. And the mm-hmm. Bible talks about he's beautiful, you know. And, and this is David's son. And... He cannot receive mm-hmm. the the steadfast love of his father like the cripple at the table can mm-hmm. because he thinks he deserves something that mm-hmm. he doesn't have. And it drives him to rebel against his dad and and form a coup against all of Israel and God himself. Mm-hmm. And like the older son and the mm-hmm. prodigal son in Luke yep. 15, he had access to his father the whole time. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. In fact, if he wants to be king, he could just chill out for a while. Solomon is at the table too, and he train wrecks his life. Yeah. I mean, he's going to end up with a thousand women. Holy goodness gracious! Three is it's three hundred and seven hundred. I can't remember what three hundred wives. Three hundred wives, seven hundred concubines. Three hundred wives, bro. What the same hill? Mm. Yeah. Good luck with that. <laughs> three hundred. You mentioned the Psalms. I mean, I thought about. Psalm 15, he's talking about what's a godly, what's a godly man like? What's a godly person like? And he says in there, he said he swears to his own hurt and doesn't change, you know. And he lived that out. He, this is a the example of something of him living that out. Him mm-hmm. living out. He did have many examples where he didn't live out, mm-hmm. you know, a godly man. But he lived that out here because he made a promise to Jonathan, and then he didn't change. He kept his word. So, have you ever? Sh- Wanted to show kindness to somebody because of somebody else. I was thinking about. Uh, I tell this story often, and it's kind of a different spin on on kindness. But my dad is a retired police officer and a bit of a legend in the sheriff's office, and no uh, and probably ten plus years ago, I got pulled over for speeding, and I always felt weird dropping his name. I never, I never did it. I just thought, well, I, I broke the law. I deserve this. That's the difference between me and you. I know, <laughs> I know, I know. And no um, hesitation. I would drive no. around in a Hulk Ross t-shirt. <laughs> Where are you going so fast? <laughs> to my dad, Hulk Ross's house right now. He's on speakerphone. You want to talk Stop. to him? So the, you know, I give the police officer my license and registration. He goes back to his car and then he comes up to the window and he he's just looking at me so intense and he says are you trying to get me killed and I said I said no sir I, I don't know what you mean what, what do you mean and he said if I give you a ticket your dad's gonna kill me <laughs> and it. I don't think he did that necessarily out of kindness but it was still this it's not what you know this mm. covering you yeah. know this this protection that my dad had mm. this reputation and because I was his daughter, I got this protection even without asking for it. So I thought that that would, you know, like I said, it wasn't necessarily kindness, but a little bit of fear, right? <laughs> yeah, 
That definitely applies. I mean, I, I thought totally. of like that's a perfect example. <laughs> I thought of like you know a friend of a friend. Like you ever go somewhere and you don't know the like. If you, I've stayed at some, I've stayed at people's house when I was traveling through town before, and I didn't know them. Yeah, but it was like they were showing me kindness because I was a friend of their friend. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And so. I was never. I've never been adopted into a king's family like that. But, <laughs> I mean, spiritually, yes. I think is. Uh, I know, like my kids are the beneficiaries of. You know, like I'll do the Jags Bible study, mm-hmm. and JP gets to do Bible study with Trevor Lawrence, not because of JP, right? You know, <laughs> right? It's just because of who his dad is, and so. Um, and I've been. <clears throat> I use this example sometimes. Um, there's a guy here that serves like crazy, and he he, he was a captain in the navy. And so his ship was uh, parked out here, and he was like, hey, man, can I give you a tour? And (laughs) the way you get treated when you walk with the guy who is the number one in-charge guy of everything going on there, like his name's Captain Nygaard, and when, when they, like, announce you on the boat and everybody has to stand up and salute you, they're saluting me. Mm-hmm. I have done zero <laughs> to deserve to be saluted. Mm-hmm. And then when you walk into a room, they all have to salute and stand up and, and they ring bells. And I mean, it's all, literally all kinds of stuff. And then he invites me up to like the captain's quarters or whatever. And I get, and there's like a chef there. And I get a BLT. And it's the most delicious BLT. I'm not kidding. The most delicious BLT I've ever had my whole life. And we're eating it up there, like where they drive the boat, the little crow's nest. I mean, way up there. I don't know what it's called. It's, I apologize to our, all of our Navy people. <clears throat> I guess you weren't listening very well when they took you on the tour. <laughs> no, no, no. The crow's nest is like a pirate ship. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> this was it. He was like a pirate. So, <clears throat> you know, whatever the top of the top is. I so I share the story, and the whole point was like, dude, that's how you get into heaven because mm-hmm. of who you're with. That's it. Yeah. Like, hey, I'm with him. Like, come on in the house. Mm-hmm. And then these Navy guys were like, I have been in the Navy for this many years. I've never had the BLT. I've never been up there. And I'm like, well, you can't earn it, buddy. Mm-mm. It's just what you know. It's just who Pure you know. Grace. It. Pure grace. So, I mean, if you think about it, that the there's a number of teenage children that get treated really well for one reason, because mm-hmm. they're friends with my kids. Mm-hmm. If they just ran, if these random children walked in my house and just got in my refrigerator, yeah. I'd arrest them. <laughs> You know, yeah. but even if I don't know them, if they're with my son, then they get credit for my loving kindness towards him. Mm. Therefore, I offer it to these mm-hmm. right. random stinky children. Right. <laughs> they get refrigerator rights. That's right. Uh, I was just walking walking through the hall by your office, Pastor Joby, and I saw this award in there. And it was, it reminded me of a couple of years ago, there's local foundation that was giving away this award to you uh-huh. and you couldn't make, you couldn't make it. Okay. <laughs> and so I, they said, can they asked me, can, can you go and receive this award on behalf of Pastor Joey? <laughs> and uh, I was like, sure, yeah, I'll go. And I didn't really know what it was about. I wasn't like, I think I was dressed in like gym clothes, you know, because <laughs> uh, it was like down at the stadium or Took something and uh, like everybody was dressed nicer than me. And then uh, when they they're like okay so you got to go up there and they're gonna say something and and they they said they said your name uh, incorrectly uh, but it still wasn't my name <laughs> and then I walked across the thing and they handed me this little crystal plaque thing and I was like oh and then they said here come back here and eat these hors d'oeuvres in this back room and then here comes the mayor and I was just like what am I doing? Here? You're hanging out you in know? your basketball shorts. <laughs> yeah. Well, to be fair, the mayor was also in workout clothes <laughs> and so. Uh, but yeah, that's a, that's another example. I mean, I, I there's no I, I wasn't actually getting the award. I was just there because you were getting one. You know, well, you're welcome. You're welcome for the order. <laughs> the shrimp cocktail was probably not as good as the BLT, but it was up there. Uh, you you mentioned also Pastor Joby the three big symbols from the Bible. So tell us what those were, and we'll talk about them a little. I bit. I thought you'd like that part. I did love that. I know you would. <clears throat> so. I don't even know if symbol is the right word, but there are three icons mm. that help describe the gospel in the Christian life. Number one has to be the empty tomb because mm-hmm. it is the rock on which all of this mm-hmm. stands. Which, by the way, why is it that's, that there's like 
churches have crosses. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. How many churches have empty tombs? That they right. Put? You know what I mean? I know like, of one in Houston, but it looks weird. It does. Yeah. <laughs> so it's not an. I mean, it was hard to depict. Book, I mean, you know, so that's supposed to be the empty tomb. Only yeah. the tomb is empty, but it's hard. It's it's not a, it's not an easily. Is it just yeah. in the lobby? Replicable. Kind of looks like a dome. No, it's right outside of the the church. Uh, they like built yes. like a like you walk cave. through the tomb to get not inside. <laughs> it's almost that way at this church in Houston. It's got like a little water fountain and a you know whatever. So, <clears throat> but so it's hard to replicate. I think mm-hmm. and and I think. In the early church, as kind of a, like after Constantine comes to Christ, regardless of what you think about why, I think a big part of why the church adopts the cross as their primary symbol, it's a big like middle finger too. Right. Like the thing that was supposed to be most shameful mm-hmm. is what we're going to identify with most. Mm-hmm. I mean, mm-hmm. so it's pretty cool. Mm-hmm. I mean, the marketing team that came up with that. Nailed it. <laughs> Got it? Well. So, <clears throat> empty well. tomb is for sure. Cross, next, because it is where we are justified. Then it's got to be the table. Old, New Testament, and in eternity. I mean, ultimately, mm-hmm. we're, vi- we're invited to the table. Mm-hmm. Not just Christ's table at the Lord's Supper, but the banqueting table mm-hmm. at yeah, the, the heavenly feast of the, of the, lamb, of the lamb. Let's go. Because mm. <clears throat> it represents so much. It represents relationship. Mm-hmm. It represents God's provision. Um, I mean, the bread and the and the cup represent the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus. It it was central in the first century. It should be central in our lives today. It will be central in heaven. Mm-hmm. The table. Mm-hmm. Yeah, people have always ate together to like fellowship and bond. And. It was even, you know, like Easy, kingdoms yeah. would like have a big dinner, and mm-hmm. it was um, it said something. Mm-hmm. It said like uh, we are partnering together mm-hmm. as nations, yes, and, we, and that's going to be demonstrated because we're going to break bread at the mm-hmm. table yeah. together. So it it can be as small and intimate of like mm-hmm. I fell in love with G at the table, you know, mm-hmm. taking her to sweet places like Outback and Chili's. Mm-hmm. Right? It, it can be like dignitaries mm-hmm. at a table. You ever see them meet? You know, they mm-hmm. usually sit around table, right? Mm-hmm. So it matters a ton. And there is a, a one-on-one, right? You you are saying, I trust you with my life mm-hmm. in certain in certain areas or, or times because if you're sitting down, you can't really defend yourself against an attack. Yeah. Or if they were serving you food and you didn't trust them, they'd probably try to poison you. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you and know? then look at the invitation that Jesus gives in Revelation 3.20 to the church at Laodicea. The mm-hmm. invitation, behold, I stand at the door and knock. Man, if you let me in, I'm going to come in and eat with you, mm-hmm. dine with you, break bread with you. Mm-hmm. It, this is a relationship. Mm-hmm. So I, you know, I mean, your Anglican background, y'all made a much bigger deal over communion on a weekly basis than we do. But I was really, really trying to elevate what a big deal this is. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. and... And, you know, one of the shadows of anything that you do over and over, over and over and over can kind of lose the oomph, you know. Mm-hmm. And so after talking about the cripple invited to the table with the king for 45 mm-hmm. minutes, I wanted to, with that mindset, mm-hmm. when you take the body and blood, you have been invited to sit at the table with the king. Mm-hmm. I just picture, because it says, I love the verse where he says he always, right? Always. It wasn't just a one-time thing. And I I think about, like, growing up, we had our, our seats, right? My dad was at the head, my mom was at the other, and brother across, I had my seat. And I think about, like, Mephibosheth had to have his chair. That's right. Right? Like, they're like don't sit there. That's Mephib's chair, you know? <laughs> and it was, he, he was a regular. He, yep. ha- he was a regular. And so... There's so much more than just eating a meal, like what we're saying. He mm-hmm. got to do life with the king. He had a relationship. That's where life happens, mm-hmm. right, around the, the table. All the way. It's kind of like being a member of the Sky Club, right? It's a, oh. it's status, right? You don't <laughs> just get – I, yeah, I, I wouldn't know either. <laughs> uh, but I have been with people. See our previous point. <laughs> yes, <laughs> yes. I'm not here because me of me. Too, me too. I'm here because of him. <laughs> And uh, but but yeah, it's not just that you get food in there. It's that you, it's just like, hey, this this represents something. Like right. if you're if you're welcome here, then it represents that you're accepted. Like you're at this level. The nicest thing Gretchen has ever said to me one time we were traveling because I travel like I did. You know, I'm like a million miler kind of person. Right. 
And so, you know, they get, they upgrade all the things. And one time she looks over at me and she's like, babe, I love traveling with you. And I was like, oh, thanks. She goes, I feel like such a boss. <laughs> I was like, that's the nicest thing you've ever seen. Enjoy my company. I just enjoy nope, the, not the that. trail mix. <laughs> really good. Uh, man, so, so communion, we could talk probably for a long time about that. Do you have a favorite part about celebrating communion, like something that's personally meaningful to you every time? Or <clears throat> When I have a long time to set it up and talk about it, I love to try to explain what could have been in the minds of the disciples. Dude, mm-hmm. they had no idea. They're like, whoa. Um, it's the, it's the, one of the most traditional things they have was the Passover meal. So mm-hmm. there was like words you're supposed to say and little rabbinical songs you're supposed to sing and everything was about Exodus and Moses and the unleavened bread and the mm-hmm. angel of death passing over and it all represented a bunch of stuff and then it had grown in tradition over the years and for Jesus to say that's not what this is about mm-hmm. that thing that this is pointing to is the same thing as what this actually points to this is my body yeah. I, the only thing I could come up with is like if you had some seriously steeped in tradition, Christmas family traditions. Mm-hmm. And whatever those things are, and and you said all of this, all the presents, all the nativity scenes, all the songs, they're about me. We'd be like, you are a crazy person mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. unless you were right. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so Jesus takes the bread and he breaks it. And they're waiting for, t- and they're, they're like, hey, Tomorrow is totally going to make sense. And then the <clears throat> and then the cup comes at the end. Hmm. So how, I don't know how many minutes are happening. And they're like, what is happening? And then he holds up the cup and they're like, what is he going to say? And then he goes, new covenant, man. And I think it's very helpful for people to understand that covenant and testament are the same mm-hmm. thing. Mm-hmm. And Moses brought the law and Jesus is bringing grace. Hmm. And so this blood is a new and better, according to Hebrews, covenant. Mm-hmm. And so I, I mean I love I love that I also love the um, in remembrance of me does not mean okay two thousand years from now church remember what I did it's mm-hmm. so much more than that I like mm-hmm. to equate it to celebrating an anniversary <clears throat> so when we celebrate when Gretchen and I celebrate it'll be twenty four in a month and uh, we're not just like remember that one time. We got married 24 years mm-hmm. ago. What we're saying when we remember it is that I do still does. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And when you take communion, the body and the blood still wash your sins away. Mm-hmm. Like it's real right now. Mm-hmm. And I love that you eat it and drink it. Mm-hmm. So like 20 minutes later, if I say give it back, you couldn't get it back. Mm-mm. It has it has become mm-hmm. a part of you. You have ingested the gospel and you'll never be the same. Mm-hmm. Right. So when the gospel gets in you, it it feeds you, it changes you. You can't get it back out. Mm-hmm. That's a lot for a recovering Baptist. Yeah. The, the word there is anamnesis, that remembrance word. And it sounds just like amnesia. Mm-hmm. So amnesia is the loss of memory, you know, and anamnesis means to reverse the loss of memory. Yeah, never forget. Never forget. Like reverse, undo the forgetting. And um, I love that too. It's not It's not a mental exercise. It is a rehearsal of something that brings it back to the present moment. And I love, I, I think you're the first person I ever heard say this, that in the gap between a written Bible and the early practice there, they would have, it's almost like a the bracelet that shows yeah. the, you know, the evangelism story. Mm-hmm. It's like, hey, Broken body, you know, shed blood. Like it was that visual picture for them they could do. <clears throat> Which I think is like Jesus's tactical way to keep the church grounded in the gospel and not get weird. And mm-hmm. then what they did is they took the very element that was supposed to ground them in the gospel and made it weird. So, sure. But that's it. You know, it also, you know, it also um, points, it keeps us ground, it keeps us from becoming Gnostic. In our understanding, right? Yeah. Because, and there is a new Gnosticism happening in our time, right? Where yeah, we want to married s- to cultural Marxism, yes, exactly. Like special knowledge, or uh, or uh, there's no way you could 
understand what I understand mm-hmm. because of the because of like where I grew up and how I grew up and mm-hmm. you know whether that's based on gender or race or part of the country or whatever yeah and it, the incarnation that the fact that Jesus became flesh gives validity to our flesh in a way like he says it's no that matters yeah. so it's not just about attaining a higher spiritual knowledge and, and your body doesn't matter right. or you're, it's not connected to who you are the fact that it is a physical thing it's not just you don't sit there and think about bread and wine mm-hmm. like or right. bread and juice you actually ingest it right and so it it speaks a message about how the soul and the body are connected <clears throat> my favorite way to do communion is in a small group after an actual meal mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. you know that's a little more like yes what the Last Supper was like. I mean, they ate. Yeah. They ate, ate. They didn't just yes. like get a little chiclet of you know some grape juice. You know what right. I mean? Yes. Piece um, of cardboard. Yeah, we. I mean, I had a meeting with a bunch of guys uh, last Sunday. You know, we're just kind of updating where we are at church, and it's a bunch of guys that I love very much, and they're all super smart guys, and it's kind of like a a good sounding board for me. They're all like super sharp leaders, and they they just they're smart, man. So they they love this church. So we eat, man. We go to a steakhouse and we eat and we fellowship and then we update them things and then we celebrate communion together. Mm-hmm. And it's it's unhurried. It's actual bread. It's actual wine. And and it's not just like a thing at the end of a service mm-hmm. either. Mm-hmm. It is breaking bread in the name of Jesus because his body was broken for mm-hmm. us. Yeah. I think it's just like a, a beautiful example too in Scripture where we see the whole Bible points to Christ. And mm-hmm. when we're doing Bible study mm-hmm. and we see the Passover, because I always go back to Exodus and to see Jesus fulfilling that. And I, even though they didn't mm-hmm. really get it and they were right. freaked out, now like we get to see the full picture. And that I, I just get so jacked up when I see those that scarlet thread mm-hmm. throughout the Bible. And it's very instructive. I mean, Pastor Joby did a great job. Congratulations. <laughs> Not like you need me. I, I love, let's just say it this way. I loved the uh, the way you summarize so much of the Old Testament in leading up to this story. Mm-hmm. But every time we participate in communion, I'm reminded of a really, really important parallel between the Exodus event and what Jesus did, right? So anytime you read the Psalms, they're saying the thing they're praising God for is that he delivered us from our oppressors slavery, yeah. right. and brought us into a promised land. Like, right. so those are the events that they're, like, and there was that, an angel of death. Yeah. There will be judgment unless right. you've got the blood of the lamb on the doorposts. Right. Then you get passed over. Right. It was like so mind blowing. The first time I, re- I recognized that I went back and read Exodus totally different. Oh, it's not yeah. just a random story that like somehow that's how the Israelites became a thing. It's like, no, it's actually, it's like, typifies or like it's like a type of the thing that Jesus did, like so many parallels there. Um, I also love to talk about, you know, I don't know if Jesus had like a nervous tick or if if he winked his eye a certain way or how he pronounced certain words. Like there's a lot about Jesus as a person. I don't know what he did, Uh right? But when we eat and drink the, the meal of communion, that's a thing that he actually did. Right. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Like we talked last week about the spitting in the mud. You know, it's like, so if I spit in mud and put on somebody's eyes, I'm like, well, Jesus did that, you know, <laughs> except he didn't tell me to do it. You know, <laughs> he did tell me to do this. Yeah. And, yes. and, and it's just super cool to me that like, that's the thing, this is the thing that Jesus did with his, the, with the disciples and we get to do it the same way. And for 2,000 years, believers mm-hmm. in an unbroken chain have been remembering the gospel via the blood and the... Mm-hmm. body mm-hmm. or the bread and the cup. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like we sing different songs, we speak different languages, we have different looking facilities, we have mm-hmm. all kind of different ministry philosophies. But everybody takes some a cup and some bread mm-hmm. and remembers the life, death and resurrection of Jesus. Yeah, and the historical definition of church is that the gospel is preached and the sacraments are administered, right? Right, and in this individualistic age we live in, where people say, "I mean Jesus," and I'm a part of the church without really being a part of one. It's like, no, you. Yeah, this is part of a bondage together. You know that? Yeah, like exactly. In the, at the Lord's table. Yeah, like they did that together. There wasn't <laughs> yeah. a 
he didn't. It, there was no DoorDash. You, was, didn't, you didn't bring the Lord's Supper no. to just your individual house. Right. Now, that's not to say like if 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 somehow you're listening to this in a jail cell, mm-hmm. man, get what you can get and do communion. Yeah. You know, there's still with, a place for you at the with table. a Dr. Pepper and a saltine, mm-hmm. no problem. But mm-hmm. but the like where the ideal isn't realized, grace abounds. Mm-hmm. But the ideal is some brothers and or sisters mm-hmm. sitting at a table together breaking bread together. I'm also, I mean, I mentioned it tonight, but think about who he invited mm-hmm. to the table. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that passage in Corinthians you mentioned about examining yourself, like rightly discerning the body. I've heard that taught as uh, consider the brothers and sisters that aren't there with you because if you were sick, unable to be there, or, or, sh- or shut in in some way, they would take part of the elements, put them aside, and then they would, like the deacons and the pastors and stuff, they would go to those people's house that mm-hmm. same day or that week, and they would celebrate that meal with them, okay? So if you're just trying to get full and drunk, then you eat it all and you didn't have any leftovers left. Yeah, I mean, that's, you know I mean? dude, First Corinthians 11, these jokers were like, get there early so they could just eat all the bread and get drunk on right, the wine, right. and then the people would show up late. You know, those people that don't make the first song, they yeah. were like, sorry, man. Ted, you know, ate it all, drank it all. <laughs> Get here earlier next week. Yeah, and that's another thing. Like, it doesn't just connect you to Christ; it connects you, to, it connects us to each other. Yeah, because we're all doing body. that together. Yeah. So even if you are doing it alone, you are connected to. It's the where the word communion comes from. There's mm-hmm. a common union in Christ of all of us to Him. Very much like. You know, he's the hub of the wheel, and we are all connected to him and to one another via him. Yeah. Well, uh, Pastor Trevor, you said, you know, let me put this bottom shelf for us. We are Mephibosheth. There it is. (laughs) Yep. And so what what are some things in your life, maybe when you read this story, maybe not, like what, what reminds you of your place as Mephibosheth? Like what are those things that remind you that you have that need or you've been invited in? <clears throat> you know, you hear me say it all the time, I can't get over the gospel, and, and especially for whatever reason, just in the past few weeks, mm. the, I mean, I don't just have like a random seat at the king's table, man. He is, help me, why in the world would he use me mm-hmm. or any of us? I mean, part of the reason I get to do what I do is because people like y'all, like y'all do what you do so that I can do what I do. Um, but it is overwhelming to me. I got two emails this week from people that are reading If the Tomb is Empty. Dude, I haven't touched that thing in two years. Mm. And after chapter one, they got they prayed to receive Christ and sent me an email. Mm. And I'm like, what? That's great. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. My first grade English teacher told my mom I would not graduate the sixth grade. My English teachers all through high school and college would say, like, everybody's good at something. English ain't it for you. Mm. Look what I do for a living. All I do is talking right now. Mm -hmm. Um, It's just overwhelming. Mm -hmm. Like, I get it. Mm. Left unto myself, I am a dead dog, and I am crippling my feet, and I have nothing to offer him. Mm. And just because of his loving kindness, he came and fetched me, Mm -hmm. sat me at his table, and he did me better than... Mephibosheth, because he, like, put me to work with him. Mm. And I, I don't know. I can't get over it. Mm. What you, Caitlin? Gosh, I mean, I can't either. I can't get over it. And just the list of things, like, I, I love the last verse. You said it. He, he was still lame in both feet. Yeah, me too. And uh, this... Uh, I follow a, a woman named Catherine Wolf. She wrote a couple books and she had this a, an amazing story where she had a, a massive stroke and she's in a wheelchair and just has a ton of health complications. But hmm. she has her and her husband have a ministry about joy in suffering. And so she talks about how we all have, she calls them invisible wheelchairs. Hmm. And these are limitations. These are cripplings in our life. Hmm. And, and the the invisible wheelchairs are not a detriment to our testimony, but they actually 
deep in our dependence on God and point others to him. And so through, like I've lived with chronic pain for over 10 years and her, her testimony has really helped me view that differently. So like chronic pain, um, my obsessive thoughts, my anger, my pride, my judgmental heart, like all of these things are this laundry list of my cripplings that I just can't, like you, I just can't get over. The more I meditate on it and think about the grace that's been poured on to me and I've done nothing to deserve it. Hmm. <clears throat> you know, it's, this is a little speculation, but, you know, give me a little hermeneutical grace. It could be Mephibosheth's crippled condition that kept him alive long enough that David would save his life. Mm-hmm. David's whole army doesn't know all about his covenant with Jonathan. Mm-hmm. It very well could be as one army is taking over for the next and they're doing what armies do, they could be very well be like, well, don't what's this guy going to do? He can right. never rise up and do anything. Right. Which... It could be the very pain you're in is the thing God uses to get your seat at the table. Absolutely. I mean, this is, you know, Genesis 50 and a ton of the stuff I talked about last week with a man born blind for the glory of God. Yeah. Yeah. And when we talk about, I mean, we're in this testimony series, and it's it's one of my biggest pet peeves is when people say, well, my story's boring, right? And we're like, What? God, it cost him his son. son. You were saved from the pit of hell. Right, you were dead, and now you're alive. That's not boring. And so, any and everything God uses in our our life to point to Him, right? Our pain, our our limitations. These are the things that actually draw us deeper into His heart. Mm. And you you read this, uh, Pastor. You read this very extensive list of of truths about our identity that I will post or somebody out of loving kindness to me on our team will post <laughs> yes, so that people can look it up. Cause in my notes, it's got all the biblical references mm. for all of those mm. statements. I think a guy named Neil Anderson originally put that okay. list together. Yeah. And so, you know, talk, talk a little bit about that tension between who you were versus who you are, because we don't ever want to forget that we are the cripple at the table and yet we also don't want to dwell too much on the I'm a dead dog, right? So how, how do you yeah, navigate you that? Don't, it's all about identity. I am crucified with Christ. Mm-hmm. It's Christ that lives in me. That is true. But I was saved out of darkness, and may I never, ever forget mm-hmm. that. So mm-hmm. I think it's the posture of the beggar. Well, you know, one of our one of our codes of conduct is that we will walk in humble confidence. Mm-hmm. That's it. I'm humble enough to know I did nothing to earn a seat at the table. Yeah. I am confident to take my seat every time dinner is served because yeah. I'm I belong here because the king invited me to be here. Mm-hmm. You know, so simultaneously, Paul says, "Don't think too highly of yourself," right. and yet he also says, "You are seated in the heavenlies right now," mm-hmm. and so it is. It's just parallel tracks. Yeah, that's what that is, and that's not necessarily a feeling, right? Like those things you're reading, like somebody's listening to that, and, there's, and that's like, well, I don't feel that. Now you probably have to talk yourself into one side or the other. Mm. You either have to talk yourself into reminding you, don't get religious and think you're better than anybody. Who mm-hmm. do you think you are? Mm-hmm. I mean, it's just by His grace that you are here. Mm-hmm. Don't you look down your nose? Some of us have to talk ourselves that way. So others have to talk ourselves into. No, no, you're more than a conqueror. You're the child of a king. You, he is. You are fearfully and wonderfully made. He is. He delights in you. Mm-hmm. And so it just kind of depends on you know whether it's by nature or nurture. M- most of us are bent more one way than the other. Mm-hmm. You know. And that's where we have to know the word, right? Because right. if we don't know the word, then we can't tell ourselves those things. We mm-hmm. can't speak the truth. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it's also important. Um, you know, the most important thing of that list is that this is who you are in Christ. In Christ, right. 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 And so just showing up to church and hearing all those things, you don't just positive thinking get yourself into that position. That's what was so terrible about that sermon last mm-hmm. day. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It was all only situational. Mm-hmm. There was some God talk sprinkled over it, mm-hmm. but it was, I mean, some of the hermeneutics were terrible, but incredible, you know what I mean? Yeah. Um, the hermeneutical gymnastics going on. Yeah, I mean, it's there's some good like 
you know, you are sometimes you this will preach, and this is legit as long as you get to the gospel. By no fault of your own, you were dropped and you have decided to identify as a cripple in Lodabar because you think you're God forsaken. Mm-hmm. That is not your destiny. Mm-hmm. Now you just got to keep you going. Get, right. The difference was in this sermon, it was like, so there's going to be a breakthrough and you're going to, well, you know, whatever. It, you just got to keep going and be like, and Jesus came to fetch you, rescue you, you know, seat mm-hmm. you at the table. Yeah. You, you see it. In last week, we talked about this in John 9. The problem with the religious, with that blind guy who could see now, is they said, who do you think you are to teach us? You were born in utter sinfulness. Well, you forgot, Pharisee, you too were born in utter sinfulness. Mm-hmm. But you think because of your own works, you are better than that guy. The gospel response is, we're the same, just different flavors. That's it. And by God's grace, I'm here. Mm. And by God's grace, you can get a seat at the table too. Mm. Well, right. There's so much emphasis on us. Like, I mean, just even in the Christian culture of I'm enough, you know, I can do this. I'm worthy. It's I, I, I. Oh. And it's no, you're not enough. He is enough. And he's going to give you what you need to live a godly life, right? It's just, it's it's everywhere. It's everywhere. And we don't, it's just, it's just like, I mean, that's what the enemy wants, right? He doesn't need us to worship him. He just wants us to worship ourselves. Yeah, totally. And you actually sell yourself short if it's all circumstantial, right? You, all oh, that's temporary. You know, like if you just got like the breakthrough for the, your finances or for your relationships, like, okay, so what next? What's, yeah. what's coming your after that? Your soul is never going to be You're satisfied. selling yourself short if that's the reason why. You're actually bringing the value of what God has accomplished for us through Christ. He's bringing that down as, as like your solution to your money. Like, okay, is that all you want is like money think, in the bank? You I know? think very few of us experience significant sanctification mm. when by getting what we want and mm. desire. Yeah. That's yeah. true. Right? right? Oh my goodness. Mm. I mean, yeah. It's usually the sanctification is what prepares you so that you don't get a big head about it. So you can actually have gratitude, right? Yeah. Or, bro, it's the fights that I have with Gretchen that have helped shape me to realize where I'm completely dropping the ball and not mm. not fulfilling what I covenanted to, you know, to love her like Christ loved the church. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Yeah. Well, to sanctify is to purify. And what do you have? Right. What do you have to do to purify? Mm-hmm. You have to burn the impurities out. That's a fact. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I just love that. I love that it was Mephibosheth's position that changed, not his condition, and that made all the difference. And that actually is the answer to the comparison between the two sermons, right? Yeah. You know, it's it good when it rhymes too. Yeah, position, condition. I love it. And to look forward to that's not the end of the story, right? Mm -hmm. Because at the Supper of the Lamb, no one will be lame. That's right. Yeah, I love it. I ripped it off from Chandler, but nobody walks with a swagger or a limp. Mm -hmm. Isn't that it? Yeah. Including Mephibosheth. You know, he'll be at the table without the crippled feet, right? Mm -hmm. Well, Pastor Joey, I think we we, uh, are out of time here, but... If you have closing comments for us, and then maybe just a prayer for that that humble confidence in of who we are in Christ, you know, to remember our past condition in a way that glorifies Him, like that's what the testimony thing is all about, right? Hey, this is who I was; it's not who I am anymore. And um, but this is who I am to the glory of God, you know. So, why don't you close this down with whatever you got? I think that's summed up pretty dang good. I would say, if for whatever reason you didn't make it to church, you know. You got to watch this one online, not the sermon. You can listen to it, whatever. But the when we got done tonight, I leaned over to April, who works on my team. I was like, now that was church. Mm-hmm. Like the way our team all worked together. Um, yeah, we had baptism and communion. And a violin. You know what I mean? Come on, man. It was real good. And I, I don't know, man. We, we uh, You know, you take a, a sacrament of the church— very, very traditional things that has been done a bazillion times. 
and really shine a gospel light on it just to mm-hmm. make sure people really understand what the invitation to the table is, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. And and also to 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 reform your thinking around communion just based on what the Bible says, because mm-hmm. uh, most of our ideas about about what we think about communion are wrapped up in how we grew up or whatever our mm-hmm. tradition is. Mm-hmm. And so I just wanted to bring it back to that fundamental idea that the king's invitation is that you who don't deserve it get mm-hmm. invited to the king's table via the body and blood of Jesus. Yeah, and there's nothing that can wash our ways our sins away. Nothing but the blood. Mm. Amen. I think strong arms should pray. All right. Let's do it. Jesus, we just thank you. We thank you for your broken body, for your shed blood. We thank you for your grace upon grace that you've chosen us, that we don't deserve it. We're the crippled. We're the, the beggar. We're the lame. And you are the king of kings. You are the highest name above every name, Jesus. So all honor and glory and praise go to you. We ask that you would just press that into our hearts, that you would, um, through your spirit, speak to us, remind us of who you are, who we are in you, and continue to just sanctify us through your spirit, God. I pray this in your name. Amen. Thank you for listening to the podcast. <laughs> the end. You nailed it. <laughs>